Are you ready to hear the word of God? Yeah, I have a message that I think is really um, a timely message for all of us. The message is about um, hope deferred and hope realized. I have a handout, so you don't need to um, you don't need to write a whole lot down. Thank you, Dale. Hope deferred and hope realized. The title is hopefulness not hopelessness. Our key scripture will be the scripture in Proverbs that says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but hope realized is the tree of life. And we're going to look at the enemy's plan of deception. The thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's hope deferred. Jesus came to give us a life and a life of abundance and a life of overflow. That's hope fulfilled. So what we're going to look at tonight, my, my prayer, and I'm just going to pray it out again right now. Father, I pray that the truth of your word is revealed, that the enemy's deception is exposed, and your truth is revealed in such a way that we will not be hopeless. We will not walk around without hope. We will not walk around questioning you or your goodness or your word. But we will stand firm, believing you at your word, celebrating your goodness, feeding on your truth, building up our most holy faith, and believing you at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me get right into this, because we really want to have some time for some powerful prayer tonight. I'm just itching. (laughs) So hopefulness. First of all, let me define hope. We talked about hope a few weeks ago. The the Bible definition of hope is different than the world's definition. It's not just a wish. It's not just a, that would be nice. The Bible definition of hope is favorable and confident expectation. The key word is expectation. The second key word is anticipation expectation, and a joyful anticipation of something good. But the reason that we have hope, the reason we have this expectation and this joyful anticipation is because of God. The source of our hope is God and his word. The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, knowing our amazing God, knowing his truth. And that's what is the, the source of our hope. Without God and his truth and his promises and his word, we wouldn't have hope. So that's the definition of hope. So hopelessness, and the reason I put less in all caps is because I really want to kind of uh, break this word apart a little bit. First of all, it has a suffix, and the suffix is N-E-S-S. Whenever that suffix is on a word, it means a state of being. So hopelessness is the state of being without hope. And this is the deception of the devil that we're just going to put under our feet tonight. The world's way or the default of the world is hopelessness. The default of the world is when our life takes a turn, you know, an attack. It might be a sickness. It might be a financial thing. It might be... A time, like there's 
like something has attacked you and you're believing God, but that there's been this time when you haven't seen the result yet, maybe a chronic issue that you've just been living with for a long time. And when that happens, the world's way is to get discouraged or disappointed or depressed. That's the default of the world. That's, I wanted to, to speak that out because that's what we're going to, that's what I want to expose as not God's will. That's not his will. He wants us well. Ron, he wants us well. Rich, he wants you well. He doesn't want us in any way less than, than well. So this Proverbs scripture, Proverbs thirteen twelve. this is our, our core scripture tonight. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. So we're going to look at both sections of the scripture. The first part says hope deferred. Hope deferred means hope, this Bible hope, that expectation of God's promises for you that hasn't yet been realized. You know the word, you know the truth, but you haven't yet seen it manifested in your life. That's hope deferred. Now, there's a potential, if you buy the enemy's lie, for that to cause sickness in your heart. I want to define that. Your heart is your soul, your inner man, your inner person, your mind, your will, your emotion, and your emotions. Sick refers to woundedness or grieving or diseased. Your soul... Your mind, your will, and your emotions can become sick, diseased, grieved. I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your soul. So there are two opposites in this scripture. There are two opposites warring for your, the, the, land, the real estate of your soul or your heart. The enemy, his desire, his part of the bargain is hope deferred. And hope deferred is what the enemy wants us to buy. When hope is unrealized, the father of lies offers us all that yuck, disappointment, discouragement, despair, depression, confusion, doubt, unbelief. That's one thing that's warring for your heart, your soul, the enemy. But God's best is desire fulfilled. And that happens When the word of the Lord abides in your heart, when his promises dwell, when they they take up permanent residence in your heart, when his truth and his promises reside in your soul. I'm going to give you biblical evidence of that. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Desire fulfilled. When my word abides in you and you abide in my word. The word abide means to dwell permanently. To continuously feed on his word. I eat many times a day. More than three. Because I like to snack. God wants us to feed on his word. To let his word abide in our heart. Food for our soul continuously. 
And when it abides, according to the word, and I believe God's word, according to his word, that's a promise. If, that's the variable, but it's our part to fulfill it. If we abide in his word and his word abides in us, ask whatever it is, what his, what his promises are. And he says our desire will be fulfilled. So what I want to look at now is a spiritual, I'm going to call it a spiritual infection. Because um, we're looking at the, we're, we're, we're exposing a lie so that we can put it under our feet and replace it with truth. So I'm going to try to do this part quickly because I don't like to talk about negatives too long. I just want to expose it. First, I want to tell you a little story. We were out west last week, and our granddaughter, who is two, got uh, the stomach flu and with all of the junk that goes with it. And now we're in a home with another little boy who's four, and Kent and I and Kay. Now, here's some good news. Kent and I and Kay know Jesus the healer. Kay is my daughter-in-law. We know Jesus the healer. And as soon as Cora started having the, the flu bug, we immediately spoke over her. I laid my hands on her little tummy, and I spoke over her body, and Kay did, and Kent did. And then we prayed over the rest of the house. And we said, mm no flu bugs in this house. Flu bugs, go. Stomach flu, you're not welcome here. And we just started speaking out loud to that bug, and we spoke over our bodies and our immune systems. Because in the natural, when your immune system is strong, it fights off diseases. That's how God created us. So a disease can touch your body, but it can't live in there because your immune system just doesn't let it. Not one of us got the flu bug. And you know usually stomach flu bugs kind of go through the whole home. Not one of us got the bug. Or Cora, our baby girl, got better within less than one day. And the next day we were back to playing and doing everything and enjoying our vacation. So that's a healthy immune system. It had to do with our physical bodies, but it also, I know, had to do with our spiritual walk, okay? Now what I want to talk about is the downward spiral of allowing yourself to get a sick heart. Hope deferred might happen when you have a confident expectation, but you haven't yet realized the result. That may happen, okay? But we don't have to get a sick heart, so this is the kind of the process that we could that could cause a sick heart. First of all, you're more vulnerable. Now, when we were in the home last week, we were probably all vulnerable to get that bug. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. You're just you're it's it's potential. So the enemy's plan is to break down our spiritual immune system. When we were out west, we were building up our spiritual immune system. But we we could have done the opposite. We could have said, oh, no, we're going to get the flu, or oh, no, I hope I don't catch the flu. We could have done that, but we didn't. So there's the potential for us, for our spiritual immune system to be broken down. And this is what happens. If you're in that place of waiting and you haven't yet seen your hope realized, there's the potential for questions. Now, questions are normal and questions are good. If they lead you to God and his word. But questions can be very dangerous if they lead you away from God and his word. 
and into human reasoning that doesn't agree with his word. If you start looking at everything else and exploring every other avenue and kind of put God's word on a shelf because you're busy doing other things, and if those questions lead you away from God's word and into human reasoning, there's danger. There's danger if, they, if those questions lead you to be unsure about God's goodness and his promises. And the sickness of heart happens if you change your belief and say, maybe it's not God's will to heal. That's a sick heart. It's a lie. It's the deception of the enemy. But sometimes the enemy can get you to buy the lie. And there's other things we're going to look at in a minute, too, that he can get you to buy the lie of. So hope deferred has the potential to poison your soul. Hope deferred has the potential to lead you into unbelief. Maybe you were in belief. Maybe you were in a place of believing God at his word and his promises, but because you haven't yet seen the result, it can lead you to unbelief. Hope deferred has the potential to cancel out the flow of miracles in your life. God's done his part. Our part is to believe his part. But if hope deferred has, has, has gotten you into a position of unbelief, then the miracle flow is canceled out. The healing flow is canceled out. Because believing is our part. It doesn't have to be a great big belief, just a tiny little seed of belief. But it needs to be pure. Simple. So what I'm going to share now are some symptoms, three symptoms that you've been infected, that, you, that your spiritual immune system has been broken down and you've got a, a bug, an infection from the enemy. Here's the first one. Are you denying God's true nature and embracing sickness and disease as a gift from God? A lot of people do that. They think God's through somehow, some way, this is going to glorify God, or maybe somebody in their family is going to be brought to the Lord or, or something. That is a lie. It is blasphemy. It is calling evil good. John 10.10 says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief's purpose is stealing, stealing, killing, and destroying. And Jesus said, my purpose is life and a life of abundance. Bottom line is, the devil's bad and God is good. So if it's bad, it's the devil. It's the enemy. If it's good, it's God. So if you've been believing or if people have talked to you about, and it kind of makes, it kind of makes sense sometimes, but it's not true. The enemy can masquerade as an angel of light and make it sound real religious or even holy, but it isn't. It's a lie. So if you've been thinking that, it's a, it's a symptom, but that's okay because we're going to give you some medicine in a minute for that symptom. So here's the next symptom. And this, is, this was very subtle, and this is very common. The second symptom is you're focused completely on yourself. And you're blaming yourself for not receiving. So it's like you're looking inward, and you're saying, well, what am I not doing? What am I missing? Am I not confessing the word enough? Am I, do I have unforgiveness in my heart? Am I praying enough? 
Am I reading? Ah, I haven't read my Bible yet today. So you start to second guess yourself and your works of faith. That's a mistake. That is a sign that you have this spiritual infection. Because it's not your works. It's Jesus' work. It's not about your works. It's about Jesus' works. And he's done. It's finished. He did it really well. He paid a huge price. He gave us his life. He poured out his blood. He broke it. His body was broken. It's done. It's finished. The scripture I want to show you is Hebrews 12, 2. The first part of the scripture is referring to Jesus. And it says, Jesus, he, for the joy of a... You know what, Kent? This is the wrong half of the scripture. I wanted the first half of the scripture. This is really beautiful, but I wanted the first half. So I'll open my Bible. I want to read the part about looking beyond all that will distract to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me look it up in my Bible. We did this really quick right before we came tonight. Okay. So here's the scripture. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving us the first incentive for our belief, and he's also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So the scripture starts with the word look, look unto Jesus. I want to define that word look for you. That word look means to turn your eyes and your mind away from other things and put your eyes on Jesus. Let me say that again. That word look doesn't mean like I'm looking at Stephanie right now. It means I'm turning my eyes and my mind away from what's over there and looking at Jesus, who is the author of my faith. He's the finisher. He brings it to completion. He brings my faith into manifestation. But it's Jesus. It's not me. So here's the best visual I can give you. Uh, I have a beautiful friend who, who God gave this to her. And I've shared it with so many people. My, my eyes and my mind are here in my, in my center. And that word look, look means to, to look away, right? From other things. So picture me right now with two hands extended. I can't do this and hold the mic, but picture me with both hands extended. In one hand is Cindy and her life and everything that my life is in right now in this season. So if I were fighting a disease, which I'm not, Thank you, Jesus. But if I were, that would be over here. The pain, the symptoms, the diagnosis, the reports, and everything else. The, the emotional part, the, if I was fighting fear, any of that would be here. But another part of Cindy is her faith walk. What I'm doing, my, my coming to Pastor Tim's class, reading the word, putting my eyes on, on the word and keeping, you know, declaring God's word and, and all of that. It's my work of faith. That's Cindy. That's, that's the life of Cindy. Put yourself in that position, whatever, wherever you're at right now. And here's my focus, my mind, my eyes. If my eyes are there, then I can't see Jesus. Jesus 
picture Jesus and, and his finished work in my other hand. If my, I have to put this down. author and the finisher of faith. Jesus is the author and finisher. So if you've been looking inward at yourself and and questioning whether you're doing enough or not, that's a symptom that you're buying the deceiver's lie and that your soul has been, you know, has the potential to become sick. We don't want sick hearts in here. Okay. The third symptom is called intellectual offense. Intellectual offense is when unanswered questions get big. And those unanswered questions are so big, they block your ability to trust in the unseen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? So this intellectual offense is when the questions that you've allowed to stir in your your mind and your heart, those questions get so big that they block your ability to trust in the unseen. So what I want to do is I want to show this to you in scripture. The first scripture I'm going to give you is Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. This scripture is about John the Baptist. Now, we know the background of John the Baptist. He was, it was prophesied that he would be born way back in Malachi. He was born to fulfill that prophecy. His job was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he did. He lived his whole life in purity. He was set apart. He preached the gospel before Jesus even came. He said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then when Jesus came, he recognized him as the Messiah. He was the first person that said, that's the Messiah. He said, I'm not worthy to even touch your sandals, and you want me to baptize you? And he did. He baptized Jesus. But this scripture takes place later. This is when John had been imprisoned. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? This is John the Baptist. He's questioning whether Jesus really is the Messiah. He's having second thoughts. You see, the the bigness of the question, he's in prison now. He's got a lot of stuff going on. And he's questioning whether he was maybe wrong. And Jesus replies, and he said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So Jesus went back and said, yes, my works are evidence of who I am, that I am the Messiah. But then he also says, blessed are they who 
are not offended, who don't stumble, who don't have this intellectual offense and stumble because the questions are so big that it's hard to believe. Even John the Baptist was having a hard time believing. I'm going to show you another biblical example. This is Matthew 13, verses 54 through 58. And coming to his own country, Jesus, this is speaking about Jesus, he taught in their synagogue so that they were amazed with bewildered wonder and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? You see, all of their questions are getting in the way of their believing. They took offense at him. This is that offense I'm talking about. They were repelled and hindered from acknowledging his authority and caused to stumble. The word offense also means stumbling block. They were stumbling over what they knew in the natural about Jesus. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many works of power there because of their unbelief, their lack of faith in the divine mission of Jesus. Their faith was short-circuited because of their offense, because of all of those big questions that got in the way of their faith, their simple belief. That's another one of those symptoms that we may have in our soul that is a a symptom of a, a sick heart. Okay, let's talk about getting it healed. When, when we have infections in the natural, we go to the doctor and get medicine, right? So that's what we're going to talk about, God's medicine. Hopefulness. Let me define this word. This is much more fun to define. Again, it's a state of being. Hopefulness. We go to the next slide, honey? Hopefulness is also a state of being. But it's a state of being full of hope. Full. Just picture this for a minute. Close your eyes. And picture every single cell of your body full of the living hope of Jesus. Because it's in there. Jesus is in there. Picture every cell, every single square centimeter of your body filled with the living hope of Jesus, because you are, you are filled with a living hope. The antidote to hopelessness is hope and being filled. We have the living hope in us, a hope that can be realized, a hope that extends from now into eternity and forever, a hope that never fades, a hope that's available to all who believe and accept Jesus' sacrifice. First Peter 1, the scripture right here. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. Incorruptible, 
will never fade away. It's ours, the living hope. Now, I want to talk about that last line. It says, reserved in heaven for you. That doesn't just mean after you die. Do you know, I just, I just heard a teacher speak this this week, and I've just been just meditating on this. It's just so good. Do you know that when we're saved, it's not to get us into heaven. It's to get heaven into us. When we become born again, Jesus comes and resides in us. The inheritance that God purchased through his son is ours. We have the living hope forever. Forever. That's something to think about. Heaven is in us. Jesus is in us. The living hope is in us. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We're talking about being full of hope. Hope is that expectation, that anticipation of, be, of something good, the source of which is God. So our expectation, our hope, is founded on our faith. It's based upon our faith. It's based upon being fully persuaded of truth. And our faith, I start at the beginning of the line now, our faith, our conviction that Jesus heals today, our assurance that Jesus heals today is the substance for our hope. Now here's on your paper. This is just a good little quote to start speaking. I am expecting something good because I'm persuaded of something true. I'm expecting something good because I'm persuaded of something true. I'm convinced that Jesus is my healer and he heals today. So let's look at some medicine now. Spiritual medicine for the infection of hopelessness. If you have felt hopeless, disappointed, discouraged, depressed, or if any of those symptoms apply to you that we talked about, here's some medicine. The first is to choose to hope. To make the choice to hope. It's a choice. I'm going to look at two scriptures with you. The first one is Psalm 42, verse 5. And I just, before we read this. I want to tell you that in chapter 42 and 43 of Psalms, go ahead and put it up there, Kent. In both of those chapters, this verse is repeated three times. The same verse is repeated three times. And in the, it's in the midst of uh, uh, two chapters where the psalmist is in the position of hope deferred, where his hope hasn't been realized where it hasn't been manifested. And the whole, if I read you the two chapters, they're, they're really kind of depressing chapters because it's just bad stuff. The whole thing is bad. But three times in those two chapters, he says this, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. The psalmist is making a choice to hope. 
and to praise God because he is his savior. He is his God. And you can add, he is my healer. That's part of salvation. So I can take this, this verse and I can literally say, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I choose to hope in God. I will hope. And you can just get downright aggressive and assertive and say, I will hope in my God. I will praise him again and again and again and again today, all day long, every day, tomorrow, and the next day. My healer, my savior, my God. It's a choice. And the second verse, Psalm 27, 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's another really good one. the, The scripture we're talking about is hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, it doesn't have to. This says I would have had lost heart or I would have had a sick heart, but I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's a word for you, for somebody today. Here's the second medicine. The second medicine is to go and talk to God about it. He's your daddy. It's okay to go with, to him and be gut level honest. You don't have to be some holy little daughter that just, you know, is quiet and, okay, God. No, go to God and say, God, I don't get it. Help me understand. Tell him about your, your frustration. Tell him about what it appears to be. Just talk to him about it. It's okay. He's a good daddy. When my kids are upset, I want them to come and talk to me about it. So go to God. Be gut level honest. And then listen. And then listen. Be still. Get still. And listen. Ask God for a promise from his word. Ask him. Say, God, I need a word from you right now. Ask him. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a promise. And then meditate on that promise. Write it down. Meditate on it. Speak it out loud. Put it in your heart. It's God's word for you. Amen. Number three, the third medicine. Renounce the lie. Renounce the deceptive lie of hopelessness. That lie could have become a mindset or a stronghold. But you can denounce it. To denounce it means you disown it. You may have been owning it, but you can disown it and reject it. I have in your, in your handout, I, it's in italics, I've put a, a prayer or a, a declaration to do just that. And so I want to do it with you now. You may not be in that position, but if you are, read it with me right now. And, and I just take this and I speak it out like I mean it. So let's just read it together. I renounce the deceptive lie of hopelessness. I break all ties and cancel every agreement I have made with the lie of hopelessness that has infected my life. 
I command the lie of hopelessness to remove your foothold from my life and leave me now in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. I will no longer partner with the deceptive lie of hopelessness. I break the assignment the lie of hopelessness had over my life, and I claim back all ground and authority that the father of lies has stolen. Isn't that good? Amen. Amen. So see what we're doing when we disown hopelessness is we're falling out of agreement with the lie and the deception, and we're coming into agreement with God. Okay. Number four, the fourth medicine. Sometimes when you go to the doctors, you get more than one medicine, right? Here's the fourth one. Hope is something that you build. Uh, I've been doing lots of playing with little ones and building. And, you know, little, I'm trying to teach them how to make something sturdy so it doesn't just fall down. Layer upon layer upon layer and make it really strong. Well, that's how hope is built. And here are some things that we can do to build up our hope. First of all, stop complaining and count your blessings. Yeah. Put your focus, feed your heart on what God is doing, not on what it appears he isn't doing. We can look at things two ways. There's a lot of good that's happening. I bet every one of you could tell me part, pieces of your testimony that are amazing, even if you haven't seen the, your hope realized, even if you're, you're not, you haven't had the full manifestation. So look at what God is doing. Feed yourself on his faithfulness. Okay, that's the first layer. The second one is to celebrate the goodness of God. He's good. Pastor Tim starts our meeting with God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So here's the key. Praise him for his goodness in the very area that you're seeking his help for. So if you're seeking physical healing, praise him because he's the healer. If you're seeking um, uh, help in finances, praise him that he's your provider. If you need sleep at night, praise him that he's your rest and he's your peace. If you need help with your relationship, praise him that he created the gift of relationships, that he is the one who created the beautiful gift of marriage, whatever it is that you're needing hope or help for. Praise him because he's the God of that, of that thing that you need. He's your source. And Bill Johnson says this. He says, the darker the cloud of disappointment the more extreme your expression of praise should be. So the darker the cloud, the more extreme the praise. Now, here's the problem. The darker the cloud, the less extreme you're going to want to praise. So it's, again, a a choice. It's your choice to do, to get up and praise and dance and sing and shout and whatever you can do. And just watch that cloud leave. The wind of praise will just extinguish it. Here's the third step of building hope, and that is to receive God's peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now here's the key. If you don't give up your right to understand, you won't receive the peace that passes understanding. It says right there, the peace that passes understanding. It means you can't understand it. Give up your right to understand. Give up your right to understand. You can even say this, Father, I don't need to understand, but I must have your peace. We can only hold on to one thing at a time, hopelessness or the promise. You have to drop one in order to hold on to the other one. You can only hold on to one at a time. Hopelessness, the deception, the lie, the disappointment, the discouragement, the despair, the depression, or the promise. You have to let go of one to hold on to the other. So the result of the medicine, you know, when you take medicine for an ear infection, your ear stops hurting. The result of taking God's medicine for hopelessness is that a defensive shield is created that the enemy cannot penetrate. Remember, hope deferred in a sick heart is the enemy's plan of stealing, killing, and destroying. But when we choose not to buy that and instead build up our hope, there's a defense and the enemy can't penetrate. But there's more. There's also an offensive tactic that's launched And the enemy of our souls cannot withstand it. Think about a week or two ago when our new president chose to send missiles to Syria. That's what we're doing to the enemy. When we stand in agreement with God, instead of giving in to the enemy, we're taking an offensive stand. We're defended and we're offensive. We're not buying it. Okay, we're going to go back to our scripture. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire that is fulfilled is a tree of life. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I want to read a scripture about the tree of life. This is Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. We're talking about being hopeful, full of hope. Trust in the Lord and make the Lord your hope and confidence. And look at the results. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. This is the tree of life with roots that go deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Isn't that good? So the first step is ours. Trusting in the Lord. Saying, God, I trust you. I don't have to understand it. I just choose to trust you. I believe you at your word. Your word is truth, period. That's our part. And as we do that, as we stay planted in truth, 
all this other stuff happens. First of all, we're, we're well nourished. We have the roots. It says our roots go deep into the water. So we're well nourished. We're getting well fed. We're, we're having healthy spiritual feeding. And that makes our immune system stronger. Secondly, we're not bothered by the heat of the enemy's lies. We're not giving in to depression, despair, confusion, doubt, and unbelief. All that stuff is like, it's nothing. I have, I have the real deal here. All that stuff is nothing. Number three, we will not be worried during the long months of drought. So although hope may be deferred, that means it's not yet realized, not yet. We won't be anxious or fearful or worried. And the last one, number four, according to this word, it says the leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That's good news. That's life. Living long and finishing strong. And never stopping to produce fruit. Pastor Tim is producing fruit. He's 82 years old. He's not stopping. He's not slowing down. He's producing fruit. I want to do the same thing my whole long life long. Okay, I have a testimony that I want to share, and then we're going to make this last declaration. Got this testimony this week. We have a man coming to our Monday night class. He's been coming for three years. His name is Padawa. I just learned his name. (laughs) I've been calling him PK's dad for the last three years because I could never remember his name. I finally learned it. Padawa. And he has been fighting severe asthma his whole life. A long, long, long time. He's been coming to our healing class for three years. He has become this tree. He comes, he feeds on the word, he's planted, he's being nourished, he's being fueled. But he had hope deferred three years, more long, longer than that. But when he came to know the truth, it's been three years. He had a choice. He had a choice to buy into hopelessness and say, well, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe, 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 maybe. Or he had a choice of saying, God, your word's true. And I just need that word to be revelation to me in my heart so that I can take it from the spiritual realm and receive it in my body. About two weeks ago, the week before we went out west, um, we prayed for him again. We prayed for him many times. We prayed for him again, and he felt something different. The next morning, he got up. And God gave him a revelatory word. It was his. God spoke to his heart. And this is the word he gave him. Can, can you go to the next slide? It's John 8.36. He was in his bathroom brushing his teeth in the morning, shaving. And God spoke this to his heart. He said, therefore, if the sun makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That was his word. He knew something had changed. He felt something in his lungs when we prayed for him the night before. The next morning, God gave him this word. He drove to work. He said he stopped halfway to work at a rest area. He had his medicines with him, a bunch of them. 
Lots of them. He brought them last night to show us. And he took one at a time. I don't know what they all were, but they're all stuff I see commercials about on TV. And he took one out at a time and he said, God, Jesus, I don't want to take this anymore. He named it. He named the medicine. He says, I don't want to take this medicine anymore. And he put it down. He got out another medicine. God, I don't want to take this one anymore either. He did that with every single one of the meds. And he didn't take them anymore. He is completely healed. Now, this man, praise you, Jesus. Go ahead and clap. (laughs) Praise you, Jesus. This man couldn't do anything outdoors because he had such radical asthma. He said if he would do, he could only mow half of his lawn at a time with all of the medicines, then he'd have to rest because he was completely fatigued because he couldn't get the oxygen exchanged in his lungs. And then he would mow the second half. And then before he went in the house, he had to strip all his clothes off in the garage because he couldn't wear the clothes with the, the smells of the outdoors on his clothes. He had to go inside with no clothes and then take a shower and stuff. He's mowed his lawn, the whole lawn, no effects, no side effects, no symptoms. It's been about two and a half, three weeks. He's not had any medicine and zero symptoms. Now, this man is living what we're talking about. He had hope deferred. He had hope for three years knowing the truth, being planted by the river of life, but not seeing the evidence, but choosing to still believe, choosing to stay planted, choosing to believe, choosing to just say, God, here I am, <laughs> anytime now. And God gave him the revelatory word. He received it, and he received healing. And that's for all of you. Amen. So let's declare right now this last declaration. Read with me, please. I trust you, Lord. You are my hope and my confidence. I am like a tree planted along a riverbank. I am well-nourished with roots of your truth that are deeply and firmly established in my heart. I am not bothered by the heat of the enemy's deception, his lies that try to lead me away from you. I am not worried or anxious or fearful during long months of drought. Instead, I stand firm and simply defend the healing that you obtained for me at the cross. I am a tree of life. I receive hope, and I believe that the object of my hope will be manifested in my life, and I will never stop producing fruit. I am victorious through Jesus and his completed work. Amen. 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 Amen.